0: As I continue to process and think through the impact of the events over the last few weeks for my own life and the work that I get to do in the city and the places where I get to have a little bit of influence, places where I get to serve, I'm still wrestling with the the weight and, and the challenge of pursuing a, a diverse community and dealing with the things that divide us, these walls that that divide us. And I talk often about, about these walls and what it takes to tear them, to tear them down. A big part of that journey for me has been in faith community. Uh, I've been in church for most of my life. I was one of those kids that, you know, grew up going to church. My mother took me to, to the greater Mount Moriah Baptist church in Linden every Sunday. Every Sunday, I was in church, and I was uh, I was the kid that was in Bible study, and I did the Easter productions, and I was in the youth choir, and I was an usher. <laughs> I did all the church things. I tried to mimic Pastor Frazier and his whooping and and growling on, on on at the on stage at the podium. I was I was fully immersed in church culture, and I think I, I think I really enjoyed it. I think I enjoyed being there each Sunday. Something no, that's not true. Some days I <laughs> I don't want to go. Um, that's not true. Some days I didn't really want to go. It wasn't really until college, until I got to NC State, that my faith really got secured, and I really understood at a deeper level what it meant for me to to believe in God and what it meant for me to pursue relationship with Him, through Christ, and and how that would shape my life and how it would impact my decisions, my values. And along the way, I, I had moments of, of clarity and and one of the biggest moments of clarity was when I started working in in missions and realizing the context of this gospel past what I experienced in North Carolina. And looking at the context of the gospel through the lens of mission, through the lens of justice, changed everything for me. And I realized that these institutions that we had created, these churches that we had created, were full of people who had bias and and, and racism and, and brokiness in us. And so we created these institutions with those walls and with those lines, which is why our, our churches look the way that they do. They're full of people who are like each other. And it's rare that you find a place where we mix in together and you can call that style. You can say that, you know, this person likes this kind of music. They like this kind of preaching. You can call it style, but there's something deeper. There's something deeper in us that makes it hard for faith communities to come together and to realize the brokenness that exists in us. And that just like the other institutions that are out there, those other groupings of people that are out there, we got the same problems out of church. We're run by people who have their biases. We're we're led by people who don't value people the same way. And because of that, we have to realize that is wrong. We have to repent and do something different and I've been fortunate that I've been able to help lead in that and serve in that and and try to push forward a little bit but this pushing is man that's hard it's hard and I think um, especially now when you have such a horrible demonstration of hate such a clear representation of what's wrong with us with our society it's important for people of faith to realize the brokenness in themselves and not be so quick to say, hey, that's you guys, you guys are wrong. We shouldn't do that. Hey, we good, let's keep moving. It's an opportunity for us to look at ourselves and look at how we live in our own lives, in our own house, as well as what we do in our churches. Last week, there was, um, I was on Facebook and a good friend had shared a post from the Metro Richmond Pastors and Ministry Leaders. And it's a statement of unity that was put out and then on Monday, August 21st, they're going to have a press conference over at the Mackie Walker statue, just kind of showing the unity of the people of faith uh, and the leaders of faith here in the city of Richmond. And as I, as I scan through it now, this is signed by a lot of people, <laughs> which is good to see. Uh, I have signed it. Uh, my pastor has signed it, and I see a lot of friends and colleagues on this list, and that's, that's really good to see. Uh, the structure of the statement is an affirmation of our faith and what we believe, and a rejection of this ideology of white supremacy, a uh, repentance for how the church is being complicit in the sins of racism, and a resolution to preach, teach, and advocate against the sins of racism. I like it. I like that it was put together. I like that uh, men and women have affirmed it and said yes. I agree. I will add my name to the list of people who are joining in with this statement of unity. It's a good first step. It's a good it's a good step in the right direction. And I think what comes after that first step, I see that's where the work comes in. It's easy to go to a website and type in your name and hit enter. That's that's easy. Anybody can can do that. See, it's different when you have to sit and pray and listen and be open to the brokenness in you, to the bias that's in you. When you start to really dig in and realize that you yourself have racism in you, that you value people differently. That's the first step. You have to recognize what's in you, and you have to be open through your own meditation to rec to, to receive that kind of rebuke. And until that happens, until our leaders realize that all of us have places where we need to grow and change, in particular with regard to how we treat people across our lines of race and of class and of gender and of orientation, until we realize that man, we got some, we got some stuff in us that needs to get fixed, that needs to change. We have no hope of leading differently. So, leaders, it starts with us. Like we have to model for. The people that we talk to, when we are standing up and leading worship of people, when we standing up and we're preaching to people, when we're serving them and, and other conversations, man, we this is where we lead by example. And we show people this is what it means to pursue true reconciliation. This first step is recognizing you got some stuff in you. Now, along with that is recognizing the deep impact that racism has had on our on our country. And you can't, you can't overshadow that. You can't overlook that. You can't dismiss that. And this is especially hard when you're in a congregation of people who are so disconnected from that journey. There are reminders every single day of the impact of racism in our, in our society, racism in our systems. You can just look at how people live. You can see the impact of it every single day. If you have that lens, if you have been open, if your eyes have been open to see it, it's, it's here. But it's too easy to live your life and miss it the changes that happen within you give you the opportunity to lead people differently. And so what do we do? Affirming the statement. Yeah, that's one step. Recognize it within yourself. Yes, that's the next step. But now we got to get into what we do and how we operate our places of faith, how we operate our churches, the things that we pray about, the subject matter of our prayers, the things that break our heart, the things that burden us. So those have to stretch a little bit. And so once our eyes are open to the brokenness that exists, in other parts of our city. Now we can respond to that with how we pray. And we can kind of go through this cycle of praying and repenting. We pray and we realize things are things are broken in us, things are broken in the world and we repent and repenting is, is turning and, and learning and doing something different than what we did before. And so thinking different, feeling different, different behavior. That's that's the push here. But this these events, this would spark this repentance and this change in us. It, it can change how we worship. And many of our worship experiences are are shaped by what we what's what's comfortable with for us and what we know. And so if we're in churches that are not very diverse, then worship is a way for us to start to experience expression through other cultures. I know for me when I was leading worship and really teaching and shaping communities of faith, worship was was a key thing for me to to use to model for people what it meant to understand someone else's experience. And so the music and the the liturgy and the emotion and the sound from other cultures, from other expressions of faith can be really helpful to help people enter in and to experience the themes within the music, um, the emotion behind the music. So that could be a step for you. It could be in how you give and what you do with your money. How you spend is a big indicator of your values. And so if we spend money on mission if we spend money on actions that help support people who are marginalized support people who are victims of hate and racism support people who are on the who are on the wrong side the losing side the struggling side of these systems that may serve you very well the opposite side of your privilege so we're always talking about ways to give back and to do we have our service days and all these different things that we do out there look at the places you're serving look at the people you are serving Take advantage of the opportunity to reach out and build connection with people in different parts across these lines. The only way that these these lines, these dividing walls, the only way they get broken down is if we start tearing them down. For faith community, in particular for for the Christian faith, we talked about the fact that that, that Jesus is the connection between us. And that's true. But we put dividers in between. We build up walls. Not Christ doesn't do that. We do that. So we have to be the ones to tear them down, bust them open, go through them, and don't build them back up. I think for many people, this act in Charlottesville was really clear, a clear demonstration of hate. I think back to when we were having this discussion and it was white cops killing black men, black boys, and black women. That was harder. That one wasn't as clear for people. They're both wrong. And our response should be the same. We should still have the same same broken heart, we should grieve the same because neither of those represent the kind of kingdom that we're called to pursue. Neither of them do. And so if, if you don't recognize that, that that is injustice, then you need to pray. That God will change your heart. If you don't preach that in your church and call people to a higher standard, if you don't teach people and leave them and study the gospel with the lens of justice. And we don't have a shot. So leaders, it's on us. It's on us to model. It's on us to teach and lead. And when this is not the talking point, when this is not what's leading in the news, when the rallies are done and the marches are done and the vigils are done, we still got to keep talking about this. This is a long journey. This is not something you get quickly. You got to continually pursue this. Continually pursue justice continually pursue reconciliation takes a long time we can't grow where we can't grow faint in our well-doing we got to keep pushing and we do that so that the kingdom here would would come (laughs) so that our city would better reflect a place of hope and of justice that people's lives would be better my hope for you is that you will give in to the truth that you will let it pierce your heart and pierce your soul and that it will change you that you will love better, love more, love others, you will love God well, love others well, in particular, loving others across the lines, across the walls that divide you from others. And for all of us, I pray that we would take advantage of this opportunity, particularly for people of faith, and build a better community, build a better place, open to all, serving all, so we make our our RVA, our Richmond, a better place for everyone. My name is Todd B. Waldo. And this is 40 Lessons. Thanks for listening. Talk to you next time.